0: Welcome back to another episode of the Shift Drink Podcast. I'm Ed sell and uh, I'm not sitting here with anyone, which is really strange. But um, remotely, I'm sitting and talking with Southern Teague. Um, so welcome to the show, man.
1: Hey, man. Uh, I'm happy to be here. Well, virtually here, I guess. Yeah. I'm glad to see your face. We're Skyping, so at least we can see each other. Uh, It's been too long. I'm happy to see you. Congratulations, buddy. Uh, The top ten nominations came out for Tales of Cocktail, your podcast in in the top ten. Way to go. Thank you very much, sir.
0: And uh, likewise, you got Omori Margo and Speakeasy, so kind of all over the place. Was it last year that you were like literally all over the place?
1: (laughs) So last year I had six nominations. Yeah, that's right. And I won. I was the most nominated person, and I won nothing. (laughs) Uh, This year I only have two so maybe it goes the other way this year. Maybe if you only have a few nominations, you win something. Who knows? <laughs>
0: well, well-deserved,
1: uh, ha- man. Happy to be invited to the dance. That's all.
0: It is strange that we can actually, like, whenever I've seen you in New York, you're working. So this is perhaps even a little bit easier time to sit and chat, even though we're in two different
1: states and quarantined. Yeah.
0: How's how's things looking in New York? You know, I mean, I, I hate to start off with that, but, you know, we'll get to some other fun stuff
1: in a few. But Yeah, let's clear up the the rough stuff first, and then we can... Settle into some convivial chat, I guess. Um, <laughs> it sucks, Ed. Yeah. You know, we're over here bailing out the Titanic with a shot glass. Uh, largely, the government is uh, overlooking us. Uh, as I know, uh, the same is happening for you. That's all over the country. That's not just New York. We are uh, petulant, impatient children. Too many New Yorkers are just running around, uh, you know, when the sun uh-huh. comes out. They're just out there, and that's causing lots of problems. Same uh, which here. I know we'll, Which I know will just extend the issue. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty bleak. You know, uh, we've already seen a couple of uh, restaurants and bars that we know that have decided that they're not going to reopen. And, you know, we're not even we don't even know if we're halfway through this. Yeah. The Pegu news was crushing. Well, Peggy, I, I feel bad about it. Uh, but, you know, Audrey had already said they were going to close in October when their lease was up. So they're just going to, you know, it's a real bummer. But that, that just means they're sure. missing having, you know, the last few months and having a um, having a big hurrah to, to you know, to right. celebrate it. Yeah, which is a total drag because I would have absolutely been at that party but yeah like Daddy-O is closing 21 years in existence like that's not cool I've seen restaurants all in my you know my bars are in the East Village and Lower East Side I've seen restaurants that have shuttered because of this um uh, and you, you think they're coming back but then now some of them you start to see signs in the windows mm-hmm. and say you know this this did it this killed us we're not coming back so yeah
0: i've seen some lease signs popping up here and there and it's funny mm-hmm. uh these i don't know if you've gone through this I, obviously at Amore margo you've got a few square feet anyway but um you know you don't have a, have a huge staff but i've had a lot of my younger staff ask me you know kind of look to me for like i guess historical precedents like you know i mean what do we do? What, have you ever been through anything like this? Like now, like I've been what, through do,
1: like they three think you're recessions. Years old? Yeah.
0: Well, like, right. <laughs> I mean, I forget, you know, that they're like 21, 22 and it's hard to like, think back what I thought of a 45 year old when I was 21. And sure. you know, I'm talking about nine 11 and what, how that affected my restaurant. And they're like, I was two, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's wild. I'm like, no, I, I mean even nine 11 numerous recessions, you know, all this, nothing you know, affected us in this way. And I mean, obviously you were in New York, so I can only speak yeah. to what we were doing here.
1: I mean, you know, I think the thing that, that gives us hope, of course, is our resilience as a people, you know, as a race uh, on the planet and our, our sort of like stick to as a country. We, you know, I think the thing that people keep relating this to the closest is of course the flu of 1918. Mm-hmm. But don't forget that that ended in 1918 and then along came the roaring 20s. Right, right? yeah. Right, so we bounced back. Sorry, 1912. So it was eight years later that the bounce back came. But, you know, it'll come. Uh, we just have to be patient. And I think that that's the thing we're lowest on is patience. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. it's really upsetting to me. And I know it is to you. I saw your uh, Instagram post um, with the people in the park. Uh, uh, it's really upsetting to me to think that, you know. Not
0: even a park. There was a parking lot at a liquor store across the street. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: the, the, that, that impatience is going to make this thing worse in the long run. If people could just settle down, stay in place, and we could get past this much quicker. But yeah, it's it's very frustrating to think that we've sacrificed a lot of our business, a lot of our livelihoods. Some of them are coming back. Some of them will be back, but it'll be a, a difficult and hard road to get back to any semblance of financial viability. All because people can't just stay at home. You know, when we went through other things as a people, when we went through World War II. You know, they only ate meat uh, on Fridays uh, and they saved up their aluminum cans. And, you know, we pulled together and we did it. We're not asking you to do anything but stay home. We're asking you to do nothing. That's not that hard, especially today. You got Netflix, uh, uh, streaming services of all manner. You've got plenty of, you know, music. You can read any book that's ever been printed on your fucking phone. Right. Like, just fucking go home, stay home. Right, sooner this is over, sooner we can get back to something. And I, I keep saying back to something because it's not going to be back to normal. We can't even see old Earth anymore; it's behind us, and new Earth has yet to appear on the horizon. We don't—that's what, what I said earlier off air, maybe. But that was the uh, even,
0: new, the latest episode of Speakies. He wasn't it en route to new Earth, <laughs> or
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We we don't even know if we're halfway there because we have no view of it. Right. You know, we we can no longer see old Earth, and new Earth is not in view yet. So it's gonna be it's gonna be uncomfortable, and I'm not looking forward to it. You know, you mentioned your age, I'm, I'm 50, a hard bounce back like this uh, is going to be rough. I mean,
0: I think that's the part <sighs> that's really sinking in for me is like, you know, if this was all happening when I was 27, you know, I don't think it would be right. as defeating, but thinking about, you know, kind of trying to reinvent the wheel at, at 45 is, it's a little bit scary, but you know,
1: it's daunting and it's, it's, it's fatiguing, you know, yeah. I don't want to leave that part out. Like I'm, I'm already kind of tired. And I did this big holiday market. I opened, you know, three bars in the last, uh, you know, two years. I did a book tour in that same amount of time. Um, and I had, I kept saying to my teams and and my partners, I was like, 2020 is the year of vacations for me. I'm going (laughs) to take a lot of vacations in 2020. And now not only is that not true. I'm having to, uh, not not only is that not true. I'm having to like really dig my heels in and, Mm -hmm. and face the fact that relaxation isn't on the horizon. What is on the horizon is a lot more work Yeah. and it's not just normal work. It's you got to get creative. You got to hustle. You got to, we're selling cocktails to go. I'm doing delivery personally. I'm doing delivery every, uh, every week uh, on my electric scooter uh, all over Manhattan and some of Brooklyn. It's a lot.
0: Yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly what it is. It's, you know, not just a pivot, you know, we're having to reinvent everything and kind of start over and it's, I don't know. I think you, you, mentioned earlier is the resilience you know of us as a race and it's particularly as an industry will kind of dig us out eventually because like you said there is light at the end of the tunnel we'll get through it but what that new earth is since we can't see it you know and there might be other people at the helm and we, we know for sure that there are going to be uh, thousands upon thousands of places that don't reopen and whether it's because of the financial situation or they aren't able to pivot the club sector, not, I I don't go to dance clubs or anything like that very often, but we had this conversation very often. I I think like never, but, um, we had this conversation last week. Like, what are they going to do? I mean, who's going to go up dancing, you know, anymore? (laughs) Although apparently people with assault rifles still will, but, um,
1: yeah, (laughs) yeah. it's the weirdest zombie movie I've ever seen where people are lining up and complaining that they aren't getting bit by zombies. Yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah. Nobody's ever tried to get bit by a zombie like these guys, but you know, speaking
0: Um, of pivoting I mean, you've done this before so I mean, you know what this process looks like Um, you know You started off well We can get into kind of where you started here in a minute, but I mean you didn't start in this career behind the bar
1: No, I was in the back of the house for 12 years But in some weird way, it's all the same to me. It's all hospitality, right? So I was in the kitchen my dad owned a bar when I was a kid. I used to uh, – you know, it was a great deal for him because I would carry cases of Miller High Life up the stairs from the cooler, and he would give me quarters to play uh, – again, this is going to age me, but <laughs> we, had, we had we had Pac-Man and yeah. we had Asteroids. Asteroids was my favorite. So I'd carry these cases of beer up the stairs, and he'd give me quarters, which I would immediately put into his machine. So I basically was working for the man. <laughs> right. That's <laughs> the a <good> company <laughs> store. Yeah, the company store. But in the end, when I was in high school, long after the bar had closed, Asteroids was still in my uh, – like we had a, a small bar in our house, like a little den. Um, so I, Asteroids stayed with us for a long time. <laughs> um, but then you know, I went on to become a cook and, I, and eventually became a chef and then I, I worked in uh, hotels, uh, in, in kitchens and then I worked in – I was a butcher for a long time. I taught at the New England Culinary Institute um, – I was the general manager of a gourmet grocery store. I was a fishmonger. Like all of these things, I feel. And then, of course, a bartender. I feel like all those things are, um, it's the same job. It's just different widgets, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I don't want to self aggrandize and quote myself, but I'm going to a little bit. In my book, I'm just here for the drinks. um, I write, I'm going to paraphrase it, but I write like, we don't sell um, the lighting that we keep at the right uh, brightness based on the time of day. We don't sell the music that we keep at the right tempo and volume based on how many people are in the room. We don't sell the bitters, books, and barware that are on our shelves for sale. And we definitely don't sell our <clears throat> uh, beautifully presented but uh, simply made drinks. Uh, what we sell is hospitality and all that other stuff comes with it for free. So that's true when I was in the grocery store. That was true when I was in uh, behind the counter at the you know cutting meat. That was true when I was – you know, doing all those other things. So it's just the same job. The widgets are just different.
0: Mm -hmm. You're quoting yourself. Now I'm going to quote you. And I found Uh this in my notes earlier today. Um, At some point in the past, I had anticipated putting a microphone in front of you and I probably didn't happen, but it's still in my notes. Um, And it it must've been right around the time that we were building out the Inferno room because we kept calling, we kept telling people, particularly our designer, that you're like, this is jazz. Like you can, you can have your plan, but you have to be able to like be a little bit flexible with it. Um, you know, let the restaurant be what it wants to be or let the space be what it wants to be and be flexible. And so I have a quote from you written down and you said, plan your work, work your plan, work your plan and be, be flexible. flexible.
1: <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I say that all the time. Yeah. But I mean, that's uh, going to be real
0: important going here on out, you know, so I mean, you can, it's not much of a plan that we can have, but um, definitely that flexibility part is going to be important.
1: Yeah, it's going to be paramount. If you want to open up that can of worms, we can, we're can. we already strategizing on what we might do. Uh, we're, we're already doing what we're doing, which is uh, three days a week only. I'm opening up a, kind of a pickup window. No one can come in, but I have a I set a, basically a table that's high. So it's almost like a bar I'm standing behind that's in front of the door. So there's no one can come in. Um, but because we have windows at the front, um, people can see everything behind me. And I've built a makeshift liquor store uh, with, you know, not everything I have in, in my uh, um, uh, liquor store. Storage downstairs, but like I've got some rum and some whiskey and some gin and some mezcal and some vermouth and Amaro and bitters and barber, you know, not a full selection. Um, but even when people walk up, so we're selling that at retail prices and when people walk up and they go, Oh, you've got, I don't know, real McCoy rum there. Do you have banks five Island? I'm like, I do downstairs stay here. I'll run and <laughs> get it. So, um, and we're just, that's a, that's not at a loss for us, but it's certainly not at the profit margin we were, sure. we were accustomed to, right. uh, when you, when you sell by the bottle, um, so, uh, but it's just transferring inventory into usable dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, I do that three days a week along with bottled cocktails and we sell them in larger format. So the smallest one is two and a half cocktails, uh, which is a, you know, and then we got a, a half liter, a, a 750 milliliter and a liter bottle. Um, and the, the goal here, of course, is to encourage you, don't walk up to me and order a single drink. That's not what we're doing anymore. We're kind of a liquor store. You're, you know, people keep walking up and saying, Oh, I, I just want one drink. And I go, my response to them is, yeah, I, I go to the grocery store when I want one egg, but I buy 12 um, and then I go home and eat them at my leisure, right? So uh, you need to stock up and go go the fuck back home is what I really want to tell them because it's a tremendous – I'm going to jump on a tangent. It's a tremendous um, moral dilemma for me to be there at all. Right. Um, but, yeah. but the government, but the government hasn't come in and said that they're going to you know, make sure that we're okay. So I have to generate some dollars where I can. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's, it really frustrates me to, to know that I'm there and I'm a lure. I'm luring people out when I think they should stay home. Yeah. That's why I've been trying to force the delivery option a little bit more. If I could, if I could match the monies that I'm taking in just in delivery, I would, I would shut the, I wouldn't do the window anymore. And that said, uh, match the money. The money's nothing. Uh, right. It's, yeah. it's it's literally busy work for me. It's um, largely just so we show the the neighborhood that we're fighting and we're gonna try and be here when all this you know passes to whatever degree we can. Um, But we're taking in less than 1% of typical revenue, which, you know, people, people keep saying, well, at least it's, you're keeping the lights on. And I keep thinking, I don't think I'm making enough to pay the light bill.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you know? That's uh, the part that where you do want to, like, just grab people and scream, like, no, you don't fucking get it. We're not making anything, like, because we, we get a little pop, you know, at our Thai restaurant because we're doing, like, the DoorDash and Grubhub and all those demonic services that we have to kind of make a deal with during this and people yeah. see three cars parked on the curb waiting for us to run food out. They're like, ah, this is great. You guys are busy. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. no, not busy. Yeah. I know it appears yeah. as though we're busy. It's because like the other 15 people that would wor- usually be working here aren't. <laughs> so,
1: Yeah. Well, there's that. And there's also just like, yeah, there's three cars sitting there. Do you know how many tables we have inside that are right, empty? <laughs> right. As time has gone on, uh, I feel a little bit uh, embarrassed to even say this. But I'm doing it, so I'll say it. As time has gone on, I have gotten quite a bit more um, curt with the people who are walking up. Um, The the, the egg line that I just said, I I deliver it with a a, a real sharp tongue. But also people walk up and they say, oh, my God, this is so cool. You're doing to-go cocktails. And I look them dead in the eye and I say, this is not cool. My house is on fire.
0: Yeah. Well, you and I talked about this a few weeks ago about, you know, that exact point, right? There's you kind of have to get a little more in their face about it because people aren't listening. They're not listening to the mandates, you know, to stay home and make sure everyone gets, uh, or at least protects those that aren't sick in the first place. But they're also kind of largely ignoring the hospitality industry as it's burning. I think now it's starting to change a little bit, and that's only because larger companies are starting to furlough people that hadn't originally. And it's starting to sink in to people that had not been affected while we were and yeah. I think
1: I think Ed you're hitting you're hitting it square on the head you know uh, there's a lot of folks especially I think in a cosmopolitan area like New York City who are 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 by and large completely unaffected by this Um, you know, they're still getting up every morning and working from home instead of going to the office. Uh, they're working until around five o'clock in the evening and then they click on some Netflix and then they still can press a button and get some food delivered. And, you know, the, largely their life is the same. What's different is they can't go to the place to get food. They can't go to see a movie. So it's hard for them, I think, to empathize when they see me at my little window trying to bail myself out in, in some very small way. I think it's hard for them to realize that, as they approach me, I see them with two things in their hands. I see them with a you know life preserver in their right hand and a brick in their left hand. And I'm in the water drowning, and they're going to throw me one or the other. And it's shocking how many choose to sh- throw me the brick. But I don't think it's malicious. I no, think they it's not. They they just don't realize that that's the position that they're in and that's the position that I'm in.
0: And that's the hard part about it is how to educate people and get that word out. I mean, I, I find it the parallels between what we do on a normal day to day basis have pivoted slightly, but it's a, it's very parallel to what we typically do. Whether you know, you're educating someone on on bitters or myself on rum or tiki. Um, now we're just trying to educate people into how the government isn't working for us. And, uh, yeah. you know, cause I mean, I, a lot of people really, and I say a lot of people, it's like, I'm not standing around chit-chatting with folks. It probably I see them a little bit less than you do. I'm just running, you know, a bag out to a car, but people right. are like, Oh, this is great. You know, like when are you guys going to reopen? Did you get that money? You know, like, didn't they, didn't the government <laughs> give you money? Like, no, yeah, no, I haven't even gotten a response yet. You know? And like, not only yeah. that, but it's like, we're, we've got our handout begging for a loan. Like I've never, I've never begged to go into debt so much in my life.
1: I get what you mean, and of course, I don't think the average Joe on the street realizes that uh, that those loans, the PPP loan, I'm sure is one you're talking about, is, yep, yep. is not built for our business. Not um, at all. It's a loan, so first of all, I'm already sinking, uh, adding weight to my situation isn't gonna help. Uh, it, that can be transferred into a grant, but the rules of the grant then dictate that you have to spend 75% of it on paying salaries to your employees, so it kind of ensures that you hire them back, But not knowing – and you have to do that within eight weeks. And Mm -hmm. again, not knowing when we're going to reopen nor what the situation will be, we don't know if – there's almost no way that we'd be able to devote that much of it to payroll because we won't have that many people back on staff. Especially when we're mandated to, at maximum, open at 50% capacity. So then it doesn't turn into a grant. It is a loan uh, that you have to pay back. And also, as you said, a lot of people aren't even getting a response. We got a response. We got a small PPP loan for Amori Margo Brooklyn. We haven't heard anything back for uh, the complex, which we call it. So where Amori Margo is in the city is three different bars in the same building. I'm partners in two of them with Ravi De and some other folks. Uh, We haven't heard back about the complex yet, um, but it's luckily our sort of strongest property. So Mm -hmm. I think that I feel very hopeful that it's going to survive. I'm not 100 percent confident, though, and I wouldn't I'd be a fool if I was, you know.
0: I think that's the part of it, right? Um, I guess we'll we'll I'll wrap up my mopiness with that. Is that like that's why I kind of had to force myself to not wallow in the anxiety and depression of all of this, and was like no one else was being honest. I just see a lot of restaurateurs out there saying, you know, we're going to punch through this. We're going to be better than we ever were. You know, like, we're we're practicing and learning all these sort of new techniques and all these things. i like, but nobody was saying what you just said. I'm not confident 100% that we are going to make it through to the end. No one was saying that, you know, losing face, you know, and being the guy that's, I guess, sending out that that signal can put fear into people. And no one else has really seemed to follow along. I, I started being very a lot more vocal about it on social media. And um, I started getting text messages from my staff saying, oh, are we closing? What are we doing? What, do, what does this mean? Like, it wasn't intentionally directed towards you, but I'm glad that you're paying attention because if you didn't realize the situation that we're in either, then I know for sure that the people that aren't in our business don't know. Because if my bartenders don't understand what's going on, then I guarantee you that uh, my guests don't.
1: Well, I mean, if you want to talk some, again, some hard numbers, uh, Ed, I think that as a bartender who has a job somewhere that's obviously on hold at the moment, um, you'd be very wise to start considering your other options because the bottom line is when we are allowed to come back. We're going to be restricted. Let's just use some math that says 50% in a vacuum. So 50% of your business is gone. Well, that means 50% of your tips are gone. If you're working in a tipped environment, which is what we do here in America. That also means that we don't need 50% of the staff. Right. So 50% of you aren't coming back to anything. And the 50% that do are coming back to less. I've braced myself and my own staff for the idea that we're going to make less than half of our normal salary. For the next year and a half. Mm-hmm. And we're not all coming back. Like, even if the bar comes back, we're not all coming back. That's just the hard facts. Yeah. And then that also means that that's true of every bar, meaning you don't, you're not just going to be able to say to yourself, well, I'll go get a job at a different bar. They're going to keep their team that's core and they're not going to be looking for any new hires for the next year and a half. Yeah, this is a big so, wave. So if you've got something else, if you've got a, A degree that you're not using. If you've got a skill that you haven't been employing. If you've got a a hobby that you can monetize, start considering those options now before you get to that date where we are reactivated, but slowly, and you don't have a position, Mm. or the position you have isn't taking in nearly. I mean, listen, I own a few businesses. I'm I'm already looking around to move out of this apartment because I can't afford it anymore. I have to move. Like this is just a reality. It always
0: blows it. my mind that any of you guys in New York can afford to do anything on the best of times. fact. I, I just, I always say that, like, everyone comp- always bitches about the drink prices in New York. I might be the only person... On the planet that says, I don't understand why drinks in New York aren't $65, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because it doesn't make sense. I mean, when I was in Singapore recently, um, yeah, all the cocktails were, like $28, $29, I think, something like that. Right. And it's jaw-dropping, but you're like, well, I mean, it makes sense. It's very expensive to rent a place here. So, yeah, it yeah, exactly. always floors me in New York how any of you guys scrap by with even even 240 square feet or whatever you got. That's Is that it, right? 240. D- 240? Yep. I thought I remembered. <laughs> You know, we're, we're coming through to the end at some point, but, yeah, it's, it's going to be different. It's going to be a stretch, stretch for us old folks.
1: <laughs> it's going to be a stretch for everybody. Um, but, you know, it's not it, – it absolutely isn't the end of humanity. It's not the end of the world. Um, uh, it's just a, a difficult situation that we will have to get past. But to throw in a positive here, I think that unlike Cincinnati, New York will bounce back faster and the reason that I think that is I believe that once we get to a place where, you know, immunity is a thing, uh, mm-hmm. vaccination is a thing, whatever, both those things, even after having been told for we don't know how many months at this point, you know, it could be 10 months. Uh, uh, having been told by the government, by, by officials, by doctors, stay away from people, stay away from people. Once we get going again, once we start up again, New Yorkers have to get on the fucking subway.
0: <laughs> right. right. Right.
1: So they'll they'll be forced to be close to one another. And they'll start to get better at being close to one another faster than maybe someone in Cincinnati who can get in his own car and sit at a table really far from another table at a restaurant and, you know, like be apart, be apart from people in New York. We're kind of always next to people. So mm-hmm. we'll get over this shit quicker. But you know, I still think it's going to be a year and a half minimum.
0: What occurred to me as well, like with, you know, so many people kind of being knocked out of the game with this or or so many restaurants. Not, well, it's people in restaurants. But it's the smaller markets like ours, you know, where you have, you know, 25 to 50 restaurants really kind of leading the city, leading the charge and farm to table or craft cocktails or, or something like that. You know, if you take out 65 percent of those, it doesn't leave us with very much, you know, it leaves us 12, mm-hmm. you know, whereas, you know, in a larger market, it's going to hurt anywhere where you are. But you'll at least be as far as sheer numbers, there will be a greater number of places. Um, yeah. You know, not by percent, but by sheer numbers. So, yeah, yeah, it, I get yeah. it. It could knock out our damn near ten years of work that we've put into small markets of trying to get people to drink right. If if, right. if we erase all but two cocktail bars in the city, you know, yeah, like I say we're coming out of it well, because we've already got the plan to do so. The city may be left with one craft cocktail bar and a tiki bar, but you know, I guess we'll uh, we'll relive uh, Don Beach's post-prohibition um,
1: era. Yeah, you'll you'll be the new pioneers. Um, I do think that. When we come back, whatever we call that, I wish we had a phrase for it. I, I just, the comeback, the restart, the, I don't know. With the restrictions that will be in place, um, my best guess is that even if you're only at 50% capacity, you will be able to charge a, a, a higher premium. Yeah. Because the bottom line is if your bar and my bar and his restaurant and are all mandated to be at 50%, then that means, again, vacuum math, math in a vacuum where, where numbers are, you know, don't really tell the whole story. But if every place is at 50 percent, that means that 50 percent of the people who wanted to go out can't. Right. So the 50 percent that got in the door are going to be real glad they did and willing to pay the price to be there. I also feel like that 50 percent that do get to go out. Oh, that's
0: your bar are, anyway.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I also feel like that 50 percent that do get to go out are going to be, frankly, a whole new uh, – not a whole new, but a classification of clients that we already had. But it's going to be concentrated on just them. It's going to be the elite. It's going to be the people who this didn't affect, these people who, again, right. like I said, are still working from home and getting their paycheck. And they're weirdly coming out ahead in a way. They, you know, they haven't had any place to go and spend their money, and they've still just been taking in the same amount of money. So they're kind of ahead. So they're going to be willing to pay more, but I think they're going to want more experiential situations. Mm-hmm. So if we could pivot to that conversation real quickly, you know, Amory Margot's plan at this point will shift and change as we have to is to be reservation only, taking in however many people I'm allowed, and if if it's my square footage, they're going to tell mm-hmm. me I can only have eight people in the room, right? Yeah, um, which is yeah, which is Is that your uh, official uh,
0: capacity? Like sixteen?
1: No, but if it's by square foot no, right, no the capacity right. at a more is strange because um, because it's part of the, the whole complex, building. Yeah. My capacity is the building. Oh right. <laughs> but if they're they're gonna come in and do it by square footage, you know, mm-hmm. they're gonna say you have to be a four feet between each table or, or you know, each right. guest or whatever the right. numbers are gonna wind up being. But if it's let's assume it's eight, maybe I can squeeze them up to ten. If it's ten. So we're going to do two-hour blocks of reservation for 10 people of all deuces, so it'll be five deuces. They'll all come in at the same time. We'll do it through talk so they can pay in advance. That way we don't have to deal with any touching of money or credit cards. We'll take their temperature on the way in the door with a laser gun. Uh, We'll have uh, sanitized wipes and sanitizing solution on the bar for people. And that price that they pay in advance will be effectively for an open bar so you got 2 hours, we'll pour you whatever you want for the next 2 hours. Hmm. It's already paid for, don't worry about it. And if we can do that, let's assume the worst that it's 8 people. If I can do that four times a night, 2-hour blocks with a half hour in between for us to sanitize the whole place again. And make kind of theater out of it, you know, make sure that the people know that we're doing this, right? Like before once we get everybody seated, we say, "Okay, and now I'm washing my hands and I'm putting on gloves." Right? I've already got a mask on. We do that theater, and we make sure that they know that in between we took care of them by disinfecting the entire place. If we could do a total of 32 people a night at $100 a head, that's $3,200, and if we can obviously book it seven nights a week, we'll survive.
0: It's interesting to hear the tone of your voice change when you just explained that to me, you know, because I know you and I have, you know, we struggle with depression and anxiety
1: and and
0: especially this, this really cranks it up a lot. That's why I just, you know, like you said, you're doing it for yourself. I mean, there's a reason I'm going to work every day. I'm exhausted more than I've been in a long time, but it's better than sitting, sitting on my sofa. But I've long said that the podcast is kind of that reset for me when I start to hate the business, when I shouldn't, you know, mm-hmm, you just mm-hmm. kind of go down that hole and you know, that's what this, this, this quarantine has done. But yeah, your your the tone of your voice has completely changed when you described like this kind of new vision. It sounds real cool. I mean, it's obviously by necessity and it's, it's not an necessity. ideal situation, but it does sound like an interesting project to tackle. And if you're anything like me, those projects are lifeblood.
1: Yeah, they are. Um, that part of it will be satisfying in some way. The part that's going to be very dissatisfying for me, Ed, and you probably as well, uh, being in the business as long as you have and operating the places you, you have, um, is I don't like that. Yeah. You know, Amore Margo. Uh, 32 I mean, people. Not, <laughs> In its nine-year history, uh, less than five times have I ever done a private event in there where the doors were closed to the public. And I would consider that that's going to be what this kind of is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, people come from all over the world to come to my bar, and I, I people I've been offered the, the the few times we've done a buyout has been for a ludicrous amount of money, <laughs> a number that a number that I've thrown out there honestly to dissuade to get them. A no, yeah. To right. get a no. Yeah. Yep. And then the, when they come back and go, yeah, okay, I'm like, shit, I should have asked for more. Um, <laughs> right. But I even – even in those situations, Ed, I make sure that uh, in the deal is uh, at least sometime either before or after their event that I am open to the actual public. And then I make sure that I put it all over social media like – because again, I don't want right. someone flying in from Denmark who's heard of my bar and walks up to the door. He's only in town for tonight and the sign says, you're not welcome tonight. Yeah. you know We never hold the door. We don't have a, you know a door person or a bouncer or anything like that. Like. It, When people come to the door and say, do you have enough room for us? If it's it's packed, you know, and they'll say, do you have enough room for us? The standard answer for myself and my entire staff, we look them dead in the eye as we're reaching a menu towards them. And we say, if you're comfortable, we're comfortable. And then they decide if they want to stay in that tight room or not. And overwhelmingly they do. And it is heartbreaking for me to think that that room is going to be relegated to maybe 10 people at a time when we've had 60 people in there. (laughs)
0: But <laughs> only that's 60 what we boy it sure feels like a lot more when you're on the other side of the bar <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, this is a great thing i tell people all the time well uh, 62 is the most we've ever stopped and counted in the room right there you go so and then what i always say to back that statement up is that means that there may have been times when there were more than 62 we were just too busy to stop and count
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i love uh, your bar like i i haven't i got had a chance to uh visit your new joint and uh where you're your second Amore, Margo, which is uh, yeah, much
1: larger, yeah? Much larger, yeah. It was a little bar before called Post Office, which I really enjoyed. Um, um, but the, they uh, were struggling, and they had been there for nine years. And um, my partner, Ravi was a, was a partner in that space. And uh, his partner there was like, I just want out. So he bought her out, and then he came to me and said, hey, what, 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 why don't we do another Amore? And I was like, that place is bigger. It's not crazy bigger. So, and in fact, this will shock you, especially after what you just said about rents in New York, which is true. <laughs> I built a couple of fake walls to make it a little smaller so it still felt a little more like a more I moron. think I
0: heard you mention that uh, on, on Speakeasy, yeah.
1: Yeah, all my colleagues and friends here in New York looked at me like I had two heads. You know, They're like, you, know you pay you know you know, pay rent by the square footage, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's fine. But even <laughs> from that uh, came, came something wonderful my friends have a bar called the Threesome Tollbooth. It's literally built inside of a broom closet in a cafe out in Brooklyn. Uh, they seat two people at a time. They, don't, they do not They five reservations an evening, so they, they serve 10 people all night, and it's a closet. Uh, well, the cafe they were in got sold, so they lost their closet. And I had just built these fake walls, and I reached out to them and said, there's nothing behind these walls. So now they're in there, and they pay me rent. That's amazing. I didn't know yeah, that. Threes- that's, that's killer threesome toll booth it's pretty incredible it's tricked out inside it's like they built it it's like a jewel box like you step in there and it's you're in another magical little land the service is is delightful like you're asked not to give give away too much of it but the one piece i am allowed to give away is when you get there for your reservation you're ushered in and they sort of like wave their hand towards the door you open the door to go in with your guests there's two of you and when you step inside there's literally nothing to do but sit there's a bench so you sit and then the bartender comes in behind you and closes the door and from the wall falls down a bar in between you and him. And then he's he's just this close to you the whole that time. That is fantastic. It's a delight. Threesome tollbooth.
0: Easily found. Yeah. <laughs> now. Not
1: easily found. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not easily well, you're used found. To,
0: you're used to operating in closets. Wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't Margo exactly. or a storage
1: room in the in first place? It was, yeah. It's 240 square feet of pure awesome, but when we first got in there, it was the dry storage that was, was right off the kitchen, uh, which uh, operates now uh, Mother of Pearl, which is a tiki bar on the, on the ground mm-hmm. floor. Now, improved with Eli Sanchez. <laughs> <laughs> New and improved. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, 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 he came on right before this happened. Holy he shit.
0: literally texted me, right, as you were calling me, oh, and, because man. he was like, let's go to New Orleans. <laughs> I'm like, dude, it's not on my radar <laughs> at the moment.
1: <laughs> man, the year of vacations is over oh Um, dude
0: it's funny you said that earlier this was your year of vacations this was the year that i actually um i pulled the trigger and bought tickets i never do that because you know things always go to shit the day before i was to go somewhere so i always wait until like two or three days before and pay the stupid premium to travel just so that i have that insurance plan Uh, i missed barbados last year because i stupidly bought my ticket ahead of time and anyhow this year i was like nah I'm, i'm doing it in 2020 we had tickets and rooms for, like, Hukilau and Una Haley and Tiki Oasis, yeah. Miami, you know, all these places. And uh, I made it to Atlanta for Haley. luckily, because that happened two weeks before. But, yeah, I was like, damn it. And now I have tons of flight credits that will never get used. Should've right. Should have just stuck with my normal uh operating procedure.
1: Damned if you do, damned if you don't.
0: Yeah, sorry, I... I, I distract got distracted there but um your
1: storage space (laughs) it's the kitchen is right off of us or we're right off the kitchen so the way i explain it to people is i'm the roommate who took the room nobody wanted (laughs) right it's very tiny but but also i think it's to clarify it or make it make sense to people you have to tell the whole story which is we also only planned to be there for six months this was a pop-up it was kind of like just a little clubhouse that we made for ourselves (laughs) in the early days we closed at 11 p.m. every night because everybody who worked there also had another job mm. and the nights you worked at Amore was your night off so we closed at 11 so you could still have a little bit of a night off
0: so um, how old is the bar now
1: we turned 9 years old during covid on March 21st our 6 month pop up is 9 years old <laughs> still popping
0: time flies it is popping i love that place it's definitely one of my favorite i mean i don't know anybody that goes to new york that doesn't that doesn't swing by
1: there Well, so, Ed, you got to think about that, too, and I'm thinking about it pretty heavily right now. You know, uh, when we get back into operation, a great many of my clients are not from the city, not from New York. You know, they're coming from all over the world because they want to see what we do. And that's, again, why I don't like holding the door or closing for private events or anything like that. I'm worried that people aren't going to be traveling, so business is going to be down just because of that. So like even though we're allowed to do 50%, will we be able to do 50%? Right. I'm being again hopeful but not confident that I'll be able to book this new program out. And maybe like on Sundays and Mondays, I, I'll just do walk-ins and no reservations. But again, we'll have to adhere to that number of people mm-hmm, in the room. Right. And how do we do that? Like I don't know. I don't want to alienate people with the hundred dollar. I think a hundred dollars is what we're kind of looking at right now for two hours of open bar to Maury Margot. Some pretty you know unique stuff.
0: I'm probably the only guy but I'm still like $100, that's it. You know. Yeah. I, well,
1: I want to pay more. It. I mean,
0: I I, it I just I, it blows my mind that you guys can afford to do anything in New York. It's just so damn expensive. No,
1: I get it. I get it. Uh and the drinks currently are $16 and we do blanket pricing so all drinks are $16 on the yeah, menu. Yeah.
0: Big fan of blanket um, pricing.
1: Yeah, it makes it easier for the guest, you it know. Does. They don't have to worry about, "Oh, do I want this drink? It's $2 more than that drink?" Right. They Don't have to worry when the when the bill comes. You had these and I had these. It's just there's mm-hmm. two of you split it. You know, it's easy. It's all the same. At that price, then, you know, that's six drinks ish in two hours. I don't think that's crazy. We've already talked about having, you know, on TOC. I don't know if you've ever yeah. made a reservation on TOC. You can. Many times. Yeah, you can add supplements. So we might be like, it's $100, but if you want to add a, whatever it is, we don't know, $25 supplement, we'll do a, a rare Amaro tasting. Shave truffles. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shave truffles, <laughs> champagne, caviar, whatever it is. You want. Uh, it's all right now, it's just an you know academic exercise to try and think this stuff up. And then it'll be put into practice and see if it works. And do we have to change it to an hour and a half so that the $100 uh, is, is the right number? Do we have to Make the $100 less? Is it $50 right. and it's only an hour? Like, how do we work this out so that we can get to a place that's amenable to us, that will generate the revenue that we need, and that will be a price that people are not only willing to pay, but maybe willing to pay more than once when they want to come back, or, or a price that they'd be willing to pay and recommend it to a friend? You know, we, we don't want to alienate our own audience. I don't
0: think that you're at risk of that happening. People flock to your bar. I, I do realize that, you know, the risk of alienation of people that can't get in, but I definitely think that there's a market, um, not a market. I think the market is more than happy to plan ahead to come to your place. It is unfortunate that you can't, like, take care of as many people as you'd like, but I certainly right. think that your guests are some of the most loyal and fanatical guests uh, in the world. Um, you're right, I mean, I'm you were lucky. able to you were able to build a 240-square-foot bar that doesn't have juice and uh, win multiple accolades over the last decade.
1: It's very humbling. We also don't take that with any out of context. We've worked hard, and we deserve it, so we feel good about it. Um, but, you know, it's still, again, <laughs> you know, Don't you know that's not
0: allowed in the restaurant yeah. industry? You're never, you feel good about you're, it. you're never allowed to feel good about success. You're supposed yeah. to always make everything cheaper and more accessible to everyone, and that's it. Never feel good about yourself.
1: <laughs> I feel like yeah, that. You it's know? the hospitality side, you know, like in the like, most idyllic sense, I would want you to come in. I would serve you in the perfect glass for the thing that I'm serving with the beautiful ice and the perfect garnish. And I would tell you everything about each item and where it came from and how it was produced and why I like it and why it's here and why it matters. And you'd leave and I'd shake your hand. But we have to make a business, so I'm going to have to charge you for this. Because of the space parameters, I've only got these two glasses, a water glass and a, and a rocks glass. Because of the, the way the world works, it's not just hospitality. That's the dream. But the reality is it's it's a business. So I don't want to push people away from me based on the business. You may right. not like what I do, and that's fine. But I don't want to alienate people because it's I can't just go there and spend $100 and drink for two hours. But I also have to assume that if I'm thinking like this – then hopefully, other bars are thinking, you know, this reservation system is probably going to be the way to go. And that means then that what we used to do, we have to let it go. This is just going to be the way it is. That's gone for at least for a while, the foreseeable future. No longer are you going to be able to come to Mori Margo and have a quick Adamaro Sazerac mm-hmm. and then maybe file drive a Sharpie mustache and then go next door to Mother of Pearl and get a shark eye and then head upstairs and get the right eye. Because of all these things. Like I said, we're going to take your temperature at the door. We're going to have a QR code menu so you don't touch our menu. Wow. Uh, You know, you you touch your own device, right? And then we'll probably send you that in advance when you make your reservation. That way you've already kind of got it on your device and you don't have to touch anything. We don't have to sanitize anything. Like it's not going to be as easy as just walking into places. And if I'm taking reservations and mother's taking reservations and honeybees and Death & Co. and PDT and all the bars around me are taking reservations too, that's over. The Mm -hmm. days of just saying, I'm going to go to the bar. Are done. You got to plan this. You got to say, "I'm going to the bar on Friday. I'm bringing a friend. I got to make a reservation. If I want a bar hop, I got to try and get reservations at all the bars I want to go to that night on the same night in blocks that are different, so that I can get to them. Like, that's just luck. It's like, a lot of like, hoops to jump wanna, through. You know exactly. So it's funny
0: that you're using talk because I mean, we want to talk about disruption. You know, when uh, Nick Kokonas announced. The whole reservation system or the ticketed system at Alinea. Well, I think actually they rolled it out at Next first, and then it was Alinea later. I mean, God, the interwebs lit up. Everybody, what the fuck? I'm never paying money to go eat and get a refund. And I mean, there was still always people like, they wouldn't give me a refund. I couldn't make it. My kid was sick. Nick was always there saying, well, (laughs) you can't
1: get a refund from a baseball game. You could have given your ticket to someone else, you know, it's transferable.
0: So that disruption, you know, that they kind of caused in the restaurant industry, you know, now we're seeing COVID disrupting, you know, our normal practices. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but I remember when that first came out, when talk first came out, that people were just like the baseball game. People were buying up tickets they didn't need and selling them at a higher price. They were scalping. I do remember that. Yeah. (laughs) Which is. That's amazing.
0: I've been to several of Nick's restaurants, and we actually, we entertained the idea of using talk very early on, just because I, I love being the, an early adopter, even though it usually bites me in the ass. <laughs> you know, We ended up not going with that system, but um, it does. It, it, it works. Yeah, the scalping, I don't know if they've got that under control or not. You know?
1: I don't know how you could, frankly.
0: But I remember sitting in those queues before trying to buy tickets to a dinner.
1: You know, and just... Exactly. If somebody's got the time to sit there and, and snap them up, then they can sell them, right? Yeah,
0: I've got a whole new system on the ticket system. As far as concerts are concerned, I wait to an hour before showtime and get on StubHub and see if anybody's just last ditch selling them. Yeah. I just at, at my age, there's no, there's nothing I need to see so badly that I'll pay a premium. We saw a few shows a couple over the last year. I took my wife to see Metallica, and we got like seventh row seats for like less than face value. It's fantastic. So, I mean, I you know, I would typically at this point be like, "So, what's next?" But I think we all don't know what's next. And you just we spent 45 minutes talking about what the possibilities are. I don't know. <laughs> you know, I feel like this is the same conversation I've just been having on repeat for. 5 6 weeks and and people aren't really listening other than us but we're the choir right i mean just constantly a feedback loop of like i'm not telling you anything you don't know or vice versa you know we've heard it over and over yeah i'm intrigued by the the future of Omori margo and how you guys are planning to kind of tackle the restrictions and it might might have to steal some of those ideas cuz I don't know. I'll gladly
1: share yeah. them with you. I don't know if they're gonna be worth a shit, but you know, yeah. like we we we've we've tried <laughs> to think about every step of the way for a two hour service
0: yeah.
1: uh that would be that would be good for the guest and good for us as best we can. If we could do a total of thirty two people a night at hundred dollars ahead, thirty two hundred dollars a night. That's a not great that's a that's a shit Friday, Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not even half, right? But that's a crushing, really good Sunday Monday. Sure. So the average comes out pretty nice. Yeah. We'd be kind of back in the right ball game for the amount of revenue we need to take in to pay our bills, to pay our staff, to be a profitable business. And it gets and, us uh, through to
0: hopefully an immunization or whatever it is that, you know, brings something. the finality of this situation.
1: Yeah. Something.
0: That's tough. Especially with new bars, you know. Um, so how old your new joint in Brooklyn?
1: Seven months. So yeah, it wasn't, it's not in the healthiest financial shape because it's new and this isn't helping, obviously. Yeah, right. Every day that it's not there is just another day without... Uh, you know, uh, you know, another day deeper in the mud. Um, but like I said, we did get a small PPP loan for that one, and hopefully that'll get us over the hump, whatever yeah. the hump is. But that's the thing—we we, that's there's 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 that variable that we don't know the number. We don't know when we can reopen. We don't know what the parameters are going to be when we do. We don't know what business will arrive when we do. We don't know any of it. So this may all be for nothing. But as you said, and as I've said many times. Uh, I, I gotta stay busy, so just doing this, going through the motions, is keeping me, you know, somewhat sane. Um, it's weighing pretty heavily on my anxiety. I'm, my, I'm wringing my hands all the time. You know, uh, I'm sweating this stuff. I'm not sleeping well. I'm not eating well. I'm yeah. Not, uh, oh my god, the sleep.
0: I mean, it's yeah. just gone away. Like yeah. nightmares. If I get it, <laughs> you know, an hour at a time. I wake up like, oh my god, it's time to go to. Oh no, it's, it's only, it's only two a.m. <clears throat> yeah, it's been rough.
1: I mean, it's also hitting home, you know, uh, last week we found out, uh, that one of our barbacks who's been in the complex for over 10 years, longer, longer, uh, yeah, Victor Morales, he's been in the building longer than me, you know, Amor's only nine years old. He worked at San Fuegos when it opened 10 years ago. Um, and he's worked for us at least two days a week, all that time. He has another job, but he's, he's always been with us and he passed away from COVID 19, uh, two small children, you know, both of them under 13 years old, um, a wife, obviously, a loving, sweet, gentle, very pleasant man. And, you know, uh, this hits home. Like, I think death is going to get close to all of us. That's the closest it's gotten to me uh, th- because of this anyway. Um, and it's, it's, it's tragic and it's horrible. Gonna- this is
0: the first time that I've ever thought about my age, <laughs> you know, when getting – during any sickness, um, I've never really – been concerned about something because of my age but at this point you know it's it's starting to get people our age these interviews that we were sitting and doing with each other you know uh, in the last month you know we start off with good intentions of like, trying to break out and and be positive and and get back to some sort of level of normalcy as far as our conversations are concerned but it's impossible it's impossible to sit and talk about you know bitters or rum for an hour when you know where it's <laughs> the ship's sinking you have to address it
1: Yeah, I keep telling people, uh, using the ship analogy, I keep saying I'm bailing out the Titanic, but I'm using a shot glass to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, It's insurmountable. Uh, I try and rely on some things, you know, the the words of smarter men than myself. Camus famously said, uh, we must try and imagine Sisyphus happy. Hmm. So we're pushing a boulder up a hill, knowing full well it's going to roll down the other side and we have to push it up again. But we have to at least envision ourselves being happy doing it. I think that's not an outwardly positive thing to say, but it's it gives some inward positivity. You know, I'm going to keep pushing that boulder. I'm going to do whatever I can to make sure that the bar reopens. I'm not going to go into it, you know, foolishly and say to myself, "It's going to be the same. That's those days are gone." But it's going to survive and it's going to carry on in some form or another as long as I can make it do so. And I hopefully, if I could say something to encourage your audience or, or you even that you think in those same terms, you know, we're going to we're going to do everything we can to make to make it happen. And in the end, if if we don't, then we're going to do something else. Uh, we're not going to just not do. Yeah, that's for sure.
0: I don't think there's any wiser words to end on. I mean, that's that's what I think we everybody can expect. There is no. There is no new normal. I you know that that phrase is killing me, the new normal. There isn't there is nothing we there's no decisions made by nature on what the new normal is yet. So
1: Yeah, we're just not there yet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um,
0: past the horizon yeah. line. We're heading towards yeah. it though. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Hopefully.
1: My well, brother I hope so too, Ed.
0: It was awesome talking with you. I know it's been a few years we've been talking about doing this and uh, unfortunately it took a, you know, a pa- a global pandemic to get on a technology as old guys that don't know how it works.
1: I know. You <laughs> no te- one knows texted- what it took to make this happen. <laughs> you, texted me, yeah, you texted me and said, we're going to do a Skype. And I was like, oh, I think I have that. Uh, and then I looked at it and it's got your records on there. I've talked to one person on Skype before and it was yeah. like two and a half years ago. Yeah, this uh, is my third like, okay. time,
0: and yeah, I had this ancient photo. Not only that. I spent three and a half hours trying to figure out how to hook up the audio equipment. Yeah. <laughs> so by the time I texted you, I felt pretty confident. I was like, "Hey, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm just gonna Skype you. We're gonna hook it up." <laughs> like, right on. F- 50 minutes
1: prior, I was texting my producer like,
0: "Nothing's working."
1: <laughs> uh, well, I hope you pressed record. Yeah, I um, hope I did as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know I see what's that funny? Panicked look. <laughs> so there was a moment. The Manny when we were talking diplomatico um i missed the first 10 minutes of of a really thoughtful conversation about venezuela and uh i looked down and i didn't pull anything over on him (laughs) you know he was like i worked in radio i'm like shit you know exactly what i just did
1: (laughs) thankfully not happened to me yet in the three plus years i've been on the speakeasy gosh it's already been that long but i get terrified every time every time uh, that I'm doing remote recordings uh, with my equipment, you know, because I, I don't know if you, it looks like you probably do, but I've got like a mobile, I bought everything mobile studio. I've got oh, know, yeah. mics and, uh, you know, me all too. the gear. So so now when I go to like Tales of the Cocktail or Travel the World. Well, that's I right. Know, I heard some, me. yeah,
0: you did several from Tales, yeah. Oh, my Bye-bye. nightmare Bye. happened Bye. in Miami a couple years ago. What? Yeah, a year ago when I, I finally put together a round table with Christelle Harris and Kate Perry. And I think Jan Warren would jumped in there for a second and Richard Seal jumped in. It was just it was everybody, right? And Ogi Yarji was Richard with us.
1: Sealed.
0: We recorded it. In the middle of it, Richard leans down and says something in Jan's ear. And after we finished the kind of round table, <laughs> this is the behind the scenes of shift drink. Um, at, we wrap up and, and Christelle and Kate were like, hey, we need to go. We're, we're going to go over to, um, regardless, we went over to a bar. <laughs> and we're like, why? <laughs> it's like, well, and it's like, oh, Richard's going over there. Like, well, wait, wait a minute. Aren't they having the plantation party tonight? Oh, we should go over there. There's going to be fireworks. We all headed over there. I don't remember how the night ended. I do know how the next morning began. <laughs> nice. It began with my uh, one of my bartenders who I had jammed all of my audio equipment in his backpack so I didn't have to carry it around all night. Woke we'll up the next morning asking for my uh, equipment. And he's like, it's in my backpack. I'm like, where's that? And he's like, it's, it's over there. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, and it shit. was gone. It was a whole afternoon of him spent at the police station over at Max Club Deuce asking if they found it. You know, the Deuce actually was was helpful, you know, and it I, I love I, that bar. there's no way that it could have happened in any other time. but um, and I'm thinking in my head at this point, I, I'm gonna have to tell tell all of these people that jumped in on a giant round table that, yeah, thanks for the audio. but uh, I no longer have it. <laughs> so yeah, but it was recovered for at the police station and they stole 20 bucks out of his wallet. They left a thousand dollars of recording equipment in his backpack and it got turned into the police. And, um, yeah, I was able to recover all of it. That's amazing. Yeah.
1: What a great what a great ending to that story. And you've been to the Deuce. Uh, I mean, you know the neighborhood. Oh, I love it. It's my favorite Deuce. fucking bar in Miami.
0: Favorite bar ever. <laughs>
1: you know? It might be. Uh, it might be. It's got such a, you know, so many times bars uh, at restaurants, fucking, I don't know, parks, whatever. Many times a place supersedes what it does by what it is. Mm. Uh, and that place is incredible. The last time I was in Miami, I was there for five days. I went to that bar every single day. I was there. How can uh, you not? Yeah. sandwich yeah, Sandwichery
0: across the street. You can grab yourself a sandwich. Go over. And- it's
1: open. It's open twenty four hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's like no matter what you did, you can be like, I, I could hit the deuce. Was it breakfast time? Yeah. Let's go get so a. So they close one at the five
0: a.m. right, and they kick you out at five fifteen, but then they give you the plastic cup to pour yeah. your drink into, and you can yeah. come back at eight. But the yeah. the sandwich place across the street stays open till six, so you can just go over and eat and hang out for an hour, and then just come on back. So, yeah, yeah I, I, it's fan- it, it could only exist in Miami.
1: <laughs> I think you're right,
0: <laughs> <laughs> sir. Thank you so much for doing the show. You know, hopefully we get to back to doing these things in person one of these days, and hopefully I can sit in your crowded little studio one of these days.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd love it. But I'm way overdue to come visit you and see your see your spots and meet your wife and. You're on my list, that's for sure. And again, this was supposed to be my year of vacations. I had a lot of <laughs> running around planned for the for the United States. Um, I've never been to Denver. I told Sean Canyon um, I would come visit him. Um, I've never, you know, been to Houston. I told Bobby I'd come see him. Like this was going to be a year of me running around, and now that's you know on hold for indefinite. But yeah. that doesn't mean I don't want to. And if I can find a way to you know get it sponsored or paid for or monetized in some way, I will travel around with the speakeasy. I'll travel around with the pop ups of the bar. I don't know. I don't know how those are going to work in the future, yeah.
0: you know? It's going to be interesting times for sure. Well, we're all, a lot of us are going to be looking to you for, you know, to lead the way, you know, you've been a voice well, for the industry for many, many years and, you know, we still kind of pay attention to what's going on and not only in New York, but you know, your bars in particular to see, you know, thoughts on what we can do to, you know, improve our service and, and.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah. <sighs> well, yeah. Thanks, Ed. Hey, <laughs>
0: Thank you, sir. Glad we could share share some rum with you. (laughs) You Yeah, my, you're real McCoy. I'm drinking some Vietnamese uh, a tea punch. So again, long
1: long distance. I I picked rum because of you. Normally, I would normally when I'm at home, I sit around sipping whiskey. But that's funny. I I
0: almost busted out of tomorrow because of you. So (laughs) (laughs) that'd be quite backwards. Well, cheers, sir. Thanks for coming on the show. We we all look forward to coming and seeing you again soon. And if it means a reservation, then it means a reservation. And uh, anything that it takes to, to come see your face and 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 try some of the uh, the giant collection that you've got on the walls. So all the best to you. I hope you're doing well. Stay healthy, you know, and try to try to get through as best you can.
1: Thanks, man. I would say one last uh, item for your listeners. I'm an open book, uh, and I'm I'm pretty responsive. I'm creative, drunk on all media. Uh, if you have uh, something you want to ask me, just DM me, or uh, if I could be of some inspiration or help or anything, yeah, feel You've free been to reach out.
0: Incredibly responsive. I've been watching all of the, you. In fact, not only that, but even increasingly so now.
1: I've got more time to to be on the device instead of on the bar.
0: Right, right. Uh, that's excellent advice. You're going to be getting a deluge of the, the four people that listen to the show. So um, my mo- <laughs> <laughs> my mom's going to be as asking you again,
1: what's right? tomorrow. I'm good to him as fast as I can.
0: All right, Uh, man. Well, I will talk to you soon. Hopefully, I'll see you in, in New York. As always, if you need anything, you know, hit me up. I'm a phone call away.
1: I thank you for your friendship and all the kind words you've said. And congratulations again on being nominated. I hope. uh, And to you. (laughs) I hope the both of us get to the top four. I'd love to duke it out with you.
0: (laughs) That would be amazing. I think we got posted somewhere, tagged somewhere on Instagram, a little Luke Hang and uh, Raiden, I think Dan Watson might have tagged (laughs) us. Yep.
1: Dan, I saw Dan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You did the event. So. All right, sir. Well, cheers. And here's to better dames. Indeed, pal. Thank you.